Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye. 103.8. Hi there, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd. Good to have you along for this podcast. Uh, we talked about movies on the show this week with William Mullally, our movie critic, and uh, the big movie that's uh, really in the spotlight, West Side Story, a brand new remake by Steven Spielberg. We also talked comedy with Mo Amer, and The Laughter Factory is in town. We spoke to one of the comedians, Chas Elsner, who had just flown in from the United States to be part of the Christmas tour. Brunches were very much on the menu as well. AJ, Mr. Brunch, had three beauties for us. And we chatted to Sudanese musician Wala Hassan Almahi. Enjoy the podcast and join me live weekdays from 11 o'clock, only on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Welcome back to the show. We talk movies next, and uh, it's always a pleasure to welcome William Mullally to the show. William, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good, sir. So I believe we are heading um, out west for our first little conversation today. <laughs> well, to the west side of Manhattan, um, in the upper west side, uh, more specifically. And we're going all the way back to the 1950s um, for a revisit to the classic musical West Side Story. So are you, are you a fan of the original? I am. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's been done. Qu- has it been done quite a few times already on, on screen? It's been done once in such a definitive manner, it felt like we never needed to do it again. So it came out in 1961 after, you know, dominating Broadway in the previous decade. Yeah. And was, a, you know, it won every Oscar that was possible. It won Best Picture. It was a, you know, certified classic, you know, bringing the story of the Sharks and the Jets, these two mm. rival gangs, one, um, you know, Irish, um, Polish descent people versus, you know, the Puerto Rican immigrants who are coming in. Um, from an American territory and really just having an extreme tension in that regard. But really, I, I think it's ultimately a Romeo and Juliet story. It was very inspired by the Shakespearean drama. It took so much from it and it really took the best of it and really imbued it with some of the greatest songs to ever appear on yeah. stage and on film, honestly. And so when Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner, who you know did Angels in America, had the idea of doing a proper um, new version of this, the first question was why, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece. Perfectly? Yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece. So why would, if, you know, Steven Spielberg is very adamant, you know, he's, he's getting older. He's only got so many movies left in him. He's choosing his movies very, very carefully. He said this explicitly. So why is he choosing to remake a classic um, rather than make something new? And that was my question going into watching this new film. And honestly, and as I watched it, I was very, very engaged with it. But I don't think I really appreciated what they did with it until I went back and watched the original afterwards. And you realize how much this is not only a love letter to that original, but it just enriches it and it deepens it and enlivens it in a way that you would never expect. It, like, for example, um, the original, you know, has, you know, Tony and Maria, this, you know, classic mm, yeah. um, romance, you know, star-crossed romance, doomed romance, as you know, because I, I, said, I said Romeo and Juliet. Tony is just, you know, he's on the, the side of the Jets, and he's, you know, one of their friends, but he just falls in love with this other girl. We don't really get much of a backstory. Here, you know, plays by Ansel Elgort, he was in jail for almost beating a guy to death, and while he was in jail, realized he really wanted to change. And when he gets out, and he's being, you know, staying away from these friends, because they are his past, they are his the violence inside of him, he really wants to be better. And when Maria 
um, now that we have you know a stronger story of Maria, she's just came come over from Puerto Rico. She loves her brother, but her brother has this darkness too. Mm. And when she sees Tony, this is kind of like the version of her brother that wants to be better. So all of a sudden, these characters are so much richer. Their stories are so much richer, and you're pulled into these classic songs, which remain untouched in a much more emotional way. So they've heightened the film in a way that feels like those changes were always there. It feels natural. And just Spielberg as well, you know, his choreography, his ability to direct humans um, across the screen is unmatched. So I do think that this genuinely, all skepticism is gone. I think this can easily qualify as a masterpiece. Let's have a listen in on the trailer. West Side Story. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life, a home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War Three? <laughs> So there's the trailer then for this uh, new remake of West Side Story. Uh, you've been pe- uh, speaking, William, to, to some of the people behind this. Yeah, so the other thing about this film is that it also, for the first time, casts you know actual um, people of Latin descent in these roles. So yeah. um, Rachel Zegler, who beat up 30,000 other women to play the role of Maria, <laughs> wow. you know, does have an actual <laughs> background of this. This isn't, you know... Natalie Wood was putting on a fake accent. This is people who are really from these cultures and I I think bring a real authenticity to it. And Rachel, I think, is such a a star in the making. But, you know, she still, I think, has jitters from that experience going through nine auditions, over 30,000 people to win this role. Oh, I I didn't combat self-doubt. That is the honest truth. I, I had a lot of nights where I was crying and I had to you know my mom would just you have to not think about it but it's impossible to not think about when the the biggest change in your life you're just on the cusp of it and you're you feel it but it's not there I had a lot of dreams about my teeth falling out and got them interpreted I was going wildly insane um I had them interpreted and they were like a big life change is coming and I would just like well, when and I got really, really mad. But you know, at the end of the day, it was it was Stephen trying to find the best people he could to tell this story, and um, and that's what I kept telling myself at the end of the day was. Rachel, how much do you care about West Side Story? So much. Latin representation is so important to me. So no matter what happens, whether you get this part or not this is a really important moment in Hollywood and it's really cool to be a part of the process. And I knew that I loved what was going on in those audition rooms so much from the people at the, at the helm of it that I left every time going, even if I don't get it, I can't wait to see what they do with this film. And and that, that remains true now. It's hard to take myself out of it, obviously now um, being in it and watching myself on a huge screen and not being able to walk down the street without seeing my face on a taxi. But if I weren't in it, I'd still be absolutely thrilled. (laughs) Yeah. Lovely. Rachel Zegler. How how many, people auditioned for that role william Thirty thousand. <laughs> Thirty thousand. uh obviously yeah. everybody wanted to be in this uh, remake of west side story 
Yeah, and she actually responded to a post by Steven Spielberg on Twitter. So tweets can actually land you a job. They can land you the lead role in West Side Story and wow. catapult your career. Because she's already signed on to um, Black Adam with The Rock. She's going to star as Snow White in the new Snow White um, Disney remake. Um, so really, her star is ascending. This is not a one-time thing. She is here mm. to stay, and I think she really, really has the goods. So um, how, did, how did she come off as, as Maria? Um, is it a good performance? Oh, it's, it's really, I think, it, it feels authentic. And I think part of the, that is that this is an actual 18-year-old girl with 18-year-old girl problems. And, you know, as great as Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner are and how much they know about this world, I think they really relied on her to bring that authenticity to it, to bring the experience of being an 18-year-old. And being an 18-year-old of Latin descent and who's gone through these issues and you know, experiencing her first love, her first heartbreak, all of that, I think, is really imbued in this. And that's something that when I spoke to Rachel, she was really important about putting into this role of Maria. A lot of it had to do with my age. We were the same age at the time. We we're 18 and 18. And so, you know, I was so sure that I knew so much about life in 18 short years of being on this earth. And I feel like Maria thinks the same thing. You know, we've both been through some pretty hard times. She lost her mother at a very young age and she uh, had been taking care of her father since she was six. And she was just moved to New York for the first time, which I had also done moving into, I moved into Manhattan for the first time at that time. And she was navigating her identity, which I was doing too. It's a constant evolution. And as conversations open up in this day and age, we start noticing different things about the way we're perceived by other people and the way that we perceive ourselves and those discrepancies. And I had those tough conversations with Stephen and Tony on the first day of rehearsal. And I said, I want her to be as me as possible, not because it makes it easier for me, but it's a huge challenge to incorporate elements of yourself in a character that's written by someone else. So uh, I'm really glad that they were so collaborative in that respect. And I think it made for a very wonderful, complex Maria that we've never seen before. And quickly, what are you still singing in the shower? Now that you've had time, you've separated. Are you, have you, are you still getting those songs in your head? Or have you stepped well, away? Yeah. I've seen the movie five times now in the span of two months. So it's very much in my brain. And the album just came out on Spotify and Apple Music and everywhere. Um, for some, I couldn't get cool out of my head the other day. Just in my brain, it was just the dance break from cool. I was just kind of the in my brain, in the shower, just trying to shampoo hairspray out of my hair. It, I mean, but what better music to have stuck in your brain, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I've been sending my friends voice notes of me singing Maria, much of their shit. Absolutely. Great. We love to see it. <laughs> uh, Rachel Zegler, I- I'm a fan of, of the song America, uh, R- uh, um, William. That's my favorite from the soundtrack. Oh, it's so good. But really, I have been Maria. I can't stop. It's stuck <laughs> in my head. I can't get it out. It's forever. <laughs> You're not in the shower at the moment singing Maria, I hope, William. Sun's gonna shine on everything. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Only on Dubai I 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show. We're talking movies being a Thursday, of course, and uh, we just took a look there at West Side Story. Um, I believe it's not out yet, William, but it's coming up in the near future. Yes, keep an eye out for it. Um, I think the date is being rescheduled, so hopefully viewing is able to see it very, very soon. Right then, uh, we've got some comedy to squeeze in uh, next with Mo Amer. So Mo Amer is also, you know, very well known as an actor. Um, he stars on, you know, the, the series Rami, which is on Stars Play and OSN, um, as his best friend um, and cousin Mo, who owns the diner. 
He's going to be in the upcoming film Black Adam, opposite The Rock, um, as it seems everyone is at this point, including Pierce Brosnan. But I, I think Mo is most famous as one of the you know, groundbreaking and trailblazing Arab comedians in the West that has, I, I think, really you know, done a, a great job of you know, shining a light on his experience, and also just bringing comedy to the world. He's a very, very funny guy. And he has a new special that just came out a few days ago called Muhammad in Texas. And I, of course, had to use that as an excuse to, to jump him on Zoom and catching up with everything that he's doing. Because not only does he have this special, he also has an upcoming series that he's creating for Netflix um, about his life, along with, with Rami Youssef. And he's you know, writing the whole thing, um, creating the whole thing and starring in the whole thing. It's very much based on him you know, being a Palestinian refugee in Texas. So he's a really, really funny, fascinating guy. But the best moment in this new special, for people who watch it, they know that at the encore, he comes back on and he tells a story about his life. And it was it, it, basically he it's the first time that he was able to, to go to Palestine. He went to the village that his family was from. And his father actually passed away when he was, I believe, 12. And he was very listless at the time. Never really got over his comedy as a way of getting out of that. But, you know, now that he's at a different point in his career, he was able to go and he went to this small village and he saw a mosque and he told his family, I'm leaving. I have to go pray at that mosque, that mosque. And it was told that that mosque had been there for hundreds of years. He ran to it. He prayed. They asked him to do the call to prayer. And he was very uncertain, but then he, he went along with it. And a, a man rushed into the mosque and said, who is that to did the call for prayer? I know everyone in this village. Who are you? Who is your father? And he tells him who his father was. And he says, wow, your father is the person that installed the sound system in this mosque. Wow. So it was this amazing connection that he had mm. to his father. And he came back on the stage and he told this story. Um, and when I spoke to him, he actually told me that he did that completely unplanned. He just went back on, was able to, to tell this story. And he and it made him go back and dig up the footage and he ended up showing it to his mother and she just cried her eyes out. So it's a really, I think, a very, very personal moment um, that he shared a little bit more with me about. Oh, in my special, the encore. Hmm. Yeah, the encore. The encore made my mother cry. She was just What'd like, she, she just because uh, it was an accident, you know. The encore in the special, the crowd was going so bananas that I just went out. I was like, okay, I have this in my back pocket, you know the 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 stage and the and the the design of the stage. You know, it was very specific. There's a bank scene on the side, you know, with with the girl, with the Palestinian girl with the balloons. And, you know, it's the walls on each side and then the, the border wall in the middle. And so I was just like, oh, I'll just tell my first experience of going to Palestine. You know, like the first time I ever went to go visit my grandparents' house. Um, and then I found the footage just because I had footage of it. I didn't know I had it. It was like an old hard drive. This was in 2009. And so I just, by a miracle, like literally a miracle, my friend had it stored for me. She's a documentarian in D.C. And she was like, oh, there's like three hard drives, like literally at the last minute before we had to turn it in like a day or two before we had to turn in the project, um, she sent me the footage. Uh, and, and I was like, it could be it. It could be it. And I'm just like going through everything. Like send it over to my editor if I happen to find it. And lo and behold, boom, the actual, excuse me, the, the direct footage of, of the story that I told on stage happens to be there. And, and that's, um, that's really special. 
getting to showcase a village that my mom was born in. Uh, that's uh, Mo Amar then talking about that experience. Um, so he's got um, a brand new show uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be screening uh, William. Yeah, he's got he's filming the the series now his first ever original series. But uh, Mohammed, Mohammed in Texas is streaming now on Netflix. So definitely, if you need a laugh this weekend, it's one to check out. Okay. Um, quickly, uh, I just want to touch on House of Gucci uh, again. Um, we had a bit of a bad line last week when we spoke. Um, you're nice and clear today. Um, you were none too uh, kind of complimentary about this movie. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the opportunity to skewer a movie <laughs> <laughs> once again. No, I think it's it's such a... It's, it's confused in tone. It either needs to be completely over the top and ridiculous and lush in the way it's filmed and just making it feel like a, a sort of, you know, golden Gucci creation that understands fashion and understands that world. But it's really not that. It goes to try to more of a serious drama, but it still has all those completely unserious, insane performances and over the top actions and this you know, family ripping each other to shreds. And nothing really fits. It, it has this kind of Know, colored out sheen of a Clint Eastwood movie while also having the over-the-top performances of you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula from Francis Ford Coppola. We have Jared Leto doing what seems like a Wario or Mario impression. I, I don't think he'd ever been to Italy, but this is he just saw you know, the imitation like the chef from The Simpsons, and that was his <laughs> yeah. entire performance. And it just, it nothing really fits. It just, everything feels over the top. And at the same time, it's never crazy enough, you know? it's boring in a way that it should never be boring when it's this over the top and crazy. So it's just, it's such a missed opportunity because it looked like it was going to be one of the best films of the year. And it's really just a confused mess of a film that just doesn't really have anything of what I was looking for in it. And it made me just never want to watch Jared Leto in a movie ever again. (laughs) And I don't know why he was cast. He kept doing this catchphrase over and over again, including in the most serious scenes. I don't know. I really left it in. I, I, if people want a good Ridley Scott movie, rent The Last Duel and skip this one. Well, I'm going to go and give it a trial because when you d- give a, a, a kind of a review like that, it makes me want to go and see even more. So <laughs> Gucci it is for me this weekend. William, have yourself a brilliant weekend and thanks so much for uh, talking movies with us once again on Lunch with Lloyd. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Thursday afternoon, it's going to be a fabulous weekend and we've got the Laughter Factory back in town. They're going to perform at the Moven Pick tonight and tomorrow night and that tour is going to continue to Zabiel House by Jumeir, the Grand Millennium Barsha Heights and wrap up at the Studio One Hotel Dubai on the 17th of December. Joining us right now is one of the comedians who's part of that tour, Chaz Elsner. Uh, I'll say good afternoon to you, Chaz. How are you doing? How are you doing, Mark? Very good, sir. Um, I believe you've just flown into town, so uh, (laughs) welcome to Dubai. (laughs) What's your first impressions of our city? Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, I... (laughs) Especially there at the airport. I'm like, this is just the most gorgeous <laughs> airport I've ever been in. It is it's spectacular, isn't it? Anyway, welcome yeah. to town. Um, and uh, you must be very excited about performing here. Oh, very excited. I mean, ha- have you prepared a, a special kind of show? Or are, you go- are you one of these comedians that kind of looks around the city and, and gets material from, you know, a local perspective? Uh, yes, if uh, what I'm going to do is later on today is uh, walk around town and kind of get to know what's going on. And uh, yeah. yeah, 
But my my whole thing is I'm just very high energy, uh, very silly. Uh, I do a lot of sound effects okay. during my uh, show. What kind of sound effects do you do? <laughs> oh, auto racing and, uh, you know, tools. Any chance of one on, on the air? Uh, well, I don't know if it's going to work on here, but... Nice. That, that I don't know. That works. That works. I like that. Uh, and I can tell from your voice that you're very high energy. I've also been reading about um, your career. And boy, you have opened up for some of my favorite musical acts, such as Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine, um, the Pointer Sisters and Peebo Bryson. Just tell me about some of those shows. Oh, well, Gloria Stefan, I was on tour with her for two years. That was absolutely exciting. And uh, the Pointer Sisters. I also opened up for Brenda Lee, country music. Really? <laughs> Sha-na-na. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Marshall Tucker Band. Yeah. So, you, so you've been on a lot of tours with musical artists and that kind of oh. warmed the audience up? Yeah. That's a, that's a really fun thing to do because, uh, you know, they, uh, they, uh, a lot of people don't know that there is a, an opening act. So they go, ladies and gentlemen, your opening act. And they're like, oh. Oh, we're wanting the main act. Who is this bozo? <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, two years on tour with Gloria Estefan. Where, where did it take you? Was it was it kind of world tour or just in the states? It was all in the states. There, yeah. Okay. And you know, being in a tour bus and playing all those fifteen thousand fifteen thousand seat arenas. Very exciting. Yeah. Now, tell me about your, your journey into comedy, Chaz. Uh, everyone's got a different story. You know, some say, oh, I was the, the, the goofy, funny guy in high school. And, uh, <laughs> you know, others say that they were kind of pushed on stage and forced to do it. How did it happen for you, Chaz? Well, you know, in high school, I was taking drama classes. And my drama teacher said, uh, you know, you got to learn how to audition. And the best way to do that is just to audition for everything. So uh, I read that they were auditioning for uh, clowns with the Ringling Brothers Circus. Okay. So I went there, and boy, they loved what I was doing and uh, asked me to quit high school. I said, no, i got to wait for that. So <laughs> uh, I did that, and then I became a high-wire walker. Oh, my uh, goodness. I was a juggler. Uh, oh, an acrobat. And then I remember we were in New York City and we went into a comedy club. Yeah. And I saw that and I went, oh, that's what I want to do. Really? So yeah. from the circus, walking the high wire and juggling, you saw a comic and thought, that's my vocation. Why? Why, why, why were you so intrigued by a comedy? Uh, you know, my, my whole thing, even in high school, I just loved the whole art of comedy. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I, di I didn't know where to go, what to do, so that's why I went into the circus, just a way of getting in there. So that was your first step into showbiz, um, right. kind of. But, I mean, comedy is something that you can't teach it, I don't think, can you? You've either got it or you haven't. Um, so did you feel straight away that, um, that you were able to make people laugh? Oh, yeah. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I was always making everybody laugh. So I, that's why that became my real passion. What about the first comedy gig? Uh, once you've left the, the circus, your first comedy gig, was it, was it something to celebrate or something to forget? I was absolutely nervous. I went up there with my notebooks, and I was just reading from my notebooks. And uh, people loved me, and the, the club owner said, I'll give you $15 every night if you keep on coming back. Really? So I, I was, 
you know, if, if I had just failed that first night, I'd, I'd probably be an engineer right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that notebook uh, did you well, didn't it? It stood you in good stead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing now you don't take a notebook on, on stage, uh, Chad. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So um, you've got a lot to look forward to, of course, a packed itinerary of, of gigs. Um, are you looking forward to, you know, performing in front of the many different nationalities that we have here? Well, you know, I do a lot of cruise ships nowadays. Okay. So this is just going to be very, very easy, uh, especially when I do cruise ships like in Europe and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got everyone from all these different countries. And I've kind of like developed my comedy so Everyone can have a giggle at it. Yeah. Um, talking of cruise ships, I used to work on cruise ships um, coming out of, sailing out of Miami. Um, wh- where are some of the places that you've been to on, on, on the ships that really stick in your mind? I did uh, four tours of Tahiti, and that is really beautiful. And then uh, I did ten tours of the Mediterranean. Oh. Half comedy will travel, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, of course, you're on with two other comedians as well. Have you met the other guys yet? Uh, Brad and I go way, way back, and it's very fun to be uh, performing with him. This is going to be a fun time with him. I don't know the other guy, Jimmy, but okay. I've heard he's extremely funny. Yeah, so uh, the three of you are going to have an absolutely brilliant time. So, once again, uh, your gig's starting tonight. Um, yeah! Nine, you know, no time to kind of recuperate. You're straight in the deep end, Chaz. <laughs> right! That's the best way to do it. Throw, throw the kid in the pool. It is, yeah, and, and see if he can swim or not. Uh, so the Laughter right. Factory kicks off tonight, 9th and 10th at the Moven Peak JBR. 15th, you're going to be off to Zabiel House by Jamira. That's in the Greens, a beautiful hotel. Uh, then the 16th, you're at Grand Millennium Barsha Heights. And 17th, you wrap up in Studio One. And uh, all the tickets in details at laughterfactory.com. Uh, I'll take this opportunity to wish you a Merry Christmas, Chaz. Oh, well, Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you. And have a brilliant tour, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. That's, once again, the Laughter Factory back in town for their Christmas tour. And I hear there's a a fairly cheesy DJ that's going to be on that as well. You need to go along and check out who that is. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, indeed. Welcome back uh, to the show. Now, looking forward to the weekend, of course, at brunch is very much uh, on the menu. And to tell us where we should be going to dine is AJ, a.k.a. Mr. Brunch. I'll say good afternoon, AJ. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Mark. How are you? Excellent. Um, so, uh, you know, the new working week, um, it's going <laughs> yeah. uh, to be affecting you guys a little bit, isn't it? It's going to be amazing. I think, I mean, with uh, people potentially finishing work at 12 p.m. on a Friday, it means that there'll be maybe a Friday brunch, a Saturday brunch and a Sunday brunch. So even more opportunity to brunch. Well, we'll have to give you more airtime, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) Now then, uh, let's get started. You've chosen three particular brunches for us this weekend. I think the first one is uh, a festive one to get us in the mood for uh, um, the festive season. Definitely, yes. Um, a lot of places are gearing up slowly and but st- steadily to the festive season. And this one is one of our favourite places down in the IFC. This is uh, Boca. Um, and this one is tucked away. As I say, there's lots of foodie places around that area. Um, it's a really nice homegrown concept and it's uh, modern European cuisine. And they've got a really strong commitment as well to uh, supporting local produce and sustainability as well. But their, their festive offering is a is a 
lip smacking 10 course menu um split into things like tapas main dishes and then you uh end off with um, a nice festive platter for desserts as well all the festive beverage package on top 10 courses can you last the course on that one aj <laughs> yeah certainly i mean they're, they're not huge they are family style but um you yeah. know they've got things that aren't too huge so like salmon grab lacks and um the, they've got k- kingfish with foie gras and um, their bocca potato chips which is at their take on patatas bravas are absolutely delicious but then the bigger dishes they've got the whole spatchcock chicken and the 12 hour roast lamb as well so really delicious and really amazing if you like your food lovely uh so DIFC is the location for Bocca. Um, what about uh, the, the cost of this one? How's it going to hit the wallets? Uh, so this one is 295 for soft beverages. It's 395 for the house package or for their premium package, it's 595 And you can choose uh, any three hours um, you'd like when you turn up, up until 7th of January. Okay, so that's the festive menu over at Bocca. Now, where are you taking me next, AJ? Uh, staying in DIFC, um, and this one is a restaurant called Clap. And I don't know why, every time I say it, I actually clap my hands together. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's another relatively new um, restaurant launch in DIFC's kind of food paradise. And it's, this one is a really, really popular spot. And it opened just over about, I'd say, a year ago. Um, it's come over from Beirut, and you wouldn't guess by the name, but it's actually a, a, a Japanese restaurant up on the ninth floor of Gate Village 11. Okay, so Japanese um, cuisine at Clap, D-I-F-C. What kind of things are we going to get on the menu for our brunch um, offering? This one is, um, it's a real lavish spread. So some of their most famous dishes on their, their menu, so that their, their squid karaga is, uh, is really popular. They've got a spicy tuna burrata. Um, they've got shrimps, which they serve in a uh, hoba leaf. And they've also got this stone bowl wagyu beef. Um, steak which is unbelievable i think it's like an a5 marbling so japanese are really keen on their steaks so this one's really 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 top notch okay i'm liking the sound of this one um pricey or or not so pricey that is the Uh, question yeah japanese difc it's kind of up there on the uh on the wallet stakes this one is uh 549 for the soft beverage package uh 649 for house and 749 for bubbles but this one is definitely one to kind of add to your, your brunch wish list yeah, definitely uh, roll that one out. Now, this next one, my favourite place. I go every single um, Christmas day to spend my Christmas oh. day at the Irish Village, the original Irish Village in, in Garhood. Yes. Now, I believe you can go on tour with the Irish Village. Is that right? <laughs> certainly can i knew i left this one i knew this is one of your favorite places i think my first ever uh, christmas day i went down to the irish village so i didn't really know many people as well and i, and I remember going to ub40 all those years ago yeah, yeah. as well ah oh, what a great place um i mean it's it's such an iconic place and dave and the the, the crew i call them his band of merry men they just they're just so warm and welcoming and it's just it's just a great old place but um as you well, you probably wouldn't expect they do more um, dishes than just the uh, typical Irish fare and the tour part of it is that you can go on tour to Ireland, Japan, um, they've got Filipino food, they've got uh, yeah. Japanese food, they've got Indian, European, Mexican, all types of food under the, uh, under the sun um, and some live music as well. 
All right. Um, I thought we were going to be going on towards the different Irish villages around town for this. Brent. So at least we can stay, um, uh, you know, stay put down yeah. there in, in Garhood and uh, lots of cuisine from uh, around the world. Of course, it's lovely. Great to sit outside now as well with uh, the fantastic weather. So uh, what's um, what's this one coming up when it comes to uh, to price? Uh, this one is, uh, as you'd expect from the Irish Village, really, really, really um, good on the on the uh, on the pocket. It's uh, 149 dirhams for soft drinks. Um, I've got to mention the kids as well. It's 59 dirhams uh, for kids under 12. Okay, um, am I going to see you down there on Christmas Day? Oh, I don't know. I've not booked my Christmas Day uh, brunch yet. So it's either, either somewhere like down there or maybe uh, we're, we're jetting off to Thailand. So who knows? Oh, well, well, OK. Um, I don't blame you for that. I have a fantastic break if you jet off to Thailand. AJ, thanks so much for joining us once again on the show. Um, if people want to follow you guys, because, you know, you always come up with great videos, pictures of, uh, of places to go uh, and enjoy your brunches. Where do they need to head to? Uh, cheers what so you can follow us on all types of uh, social media so instagram facebook and twitter on at mr and mrs brunch or at let's dxb fantastic mr and mrs brunch have a great weekend and we'll chat to you again next thursday this is dubai i 103.8 you're listening to lunch with lloyd yeah, welcome back into the show. Now, it's time to talk some music now. And a super talented lady, Walla Hassan Al-Mahi, graduated from Afad University for Women with an honours degree in psychology and preschool education, also did a Master of Arts in International and Multicultural Education and Development, and finds time to be a singer-songwriter, composer, guitarist and drummer as well. Walla, um, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Very, very good. How do you find time to do all of those things? <laughs> I mean, you, you sound like a very busy lady. <laughs> yeah, I am. Actually, I'm so glad to have me host today in I today. And yes, just founding music therapy in music too. Yeah, I, I believe. Did you grow up in a musical family? Was your father a professional musician? Yes, actually, my father, Hassan Al-Mahi, he's a professional musician. Uh, and yes, I got all this maybe from him, yeah. for sure, for him. So what kind of music were you listening yeah. to growing up? What what was, um, you know, being played in your house? Actually, reggae is one of my favorite uh, kind of music. Yeah. Reggae, jazz, blues, and so on. And uh, even, especially, of course, the uh, Sudanese music too. Okay, so um, I think your first instrument was guitar. Why did you go for guitar first? Because my father, his instrument too is guitar. So when I get the university, I was the leader of the orchestra. Yeah. I started learning uh, guitar fastly and drum too. And I was the, also the uh, one of the founders of the Salut El Banu, the first female uh, band in Sudan. Okay. That it went to the Arabs Got Talent, attend to the semifinal. Now. So, yeah. Something that's very, very interesting. Um, music's definitely your passion, um, and but you're also a music therapist and help uh, children with autism. Um, tell me how you do that and how it helps them. Uh, actually, uh, I found music helped them so much, especially in, in, uh, in improve and increase their attention, concentration, and even behaviorally. Um, it covers a lot of. Uh, um, Areas actually music, so I'm using it uh, in behavior, cognitive, and even um, 
um, emotionally because this music one of the effective way to um, to get know exactly what uh, autistic children wants to you mm-hmm. know uh, we've got a little clip of uh, of your music just to just to give our listeners an idea of of your sound here it is Well, there we are. That's uh, that's Walla uh, once again. Um, tell me a bit about that tune. It's definitely got that reggae groove to it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Actually, it was an honor to sing with an amazing artist, Ashab uh, Amir. It's a song uh, that uh, wrote by uh, our uh, music teacher in university, Mr. Mamdouh. Uh, and it's talking about uh, don't don't let life distract you. Just uh, live in peace and happy and trying to help people around you. Yeah. Uh, I love the groove to it. And uh, as, as we mentioned earlier on, it's, it's got that reggae kind of uh, feel. Yeah. Um, so what are you up to at the moment? Are you still um, teaching? Do you do any um, live uh, gigs? Um, tell me about, you know, uh, what's going on in your life right now. Actually, uh, right now I'm living in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I'm looking at, um, right now I'm working as a call center in German expert. Um, I'm trying to do some games in the Dubai, Rathema, and so on. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing my best to also find uh, my game track at the surface, actually, because I love it so much. Right. Now, if people want to follow your music and follow you and your music career, um, where can they do that? Actually, I actually can uh, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Facebook okay so uh, there we are wala hassan al mahi a real pleasure to have you uh, on the show talking music and good on you for helping uh, those children um that uh, sadly suffer from autism uh, through your music and um a positive vibe uh, there from uh, once again our special guest